0: Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Luke 24, 45 through 49 says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. John 20, John 20, verse 21 says, Again he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Acts 1, 6-8 So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Good morning, church. It is a blessing to see the, uh, I, know, I know Todd would not say the word. I'll be brave. I'll say the word. It's good to see the COVID prisoners set free. Amen. Let's give a hand to the COVID prisoners that have been set free. We, we still have some COVID gaps in our congregation this morning, but it's getting a lot better. And I pray that this final wave of this decreased and disabled virus will quit disabling us. I'm proud of you who are here this morning and one of the things I I don't I was drinking coffee while Todd was talking I don't know if he mentioned this or not but one of the things we've celebrated is how many of you who though you could not be here you've been on the live stream. Over the past three weeks, our live stream attendance has been fantastic. And so do not think, those of you who are watching from home, and especially if you're watching this live stream for the very first time, I'm Lynn Rayburn, I'm the lead pastor here, and we are thrilled to have you in the service with us, even though you're not in the building, and you get to hear the Word of God today. I love my church. And we are talking, we have been talking for some time now, for a full year, I talked to you about that. I love my church. Now, Sheila, it's the Lord's church. It doesn't belong to me, but it's the church of my membership. And I love the church of my membership, the church that the Lord has given me the privilege of pastoring. And I love my church. We've started talking about this more this year. This is sort of a developing thing, Todd. This is a life-changing church. Todd, I've thought about some of those kids that you dealt with all those years ago and how this church made a lasting change in their lives. That can be said of many of you. What kind of change has Faith Baptist Church, the Lord, did it, but through Faith Baptist Church. And we want to be a life-changing church. I love it when the kids go away to college and they say, I can't go to school. I can't go to church there. I've got to come back here. I'll hug you for that later. Spread that around. This is a special place. This is the place, Joe, where we meet with God. He is indeed in this place. We came not just to meet with each other and to hear Lynn preach. We came here to meet with God because God is life-changing. We came here to honor Jesus Christ because Jesus is life-changing. And we came to be a part of the assembly, the ecclesia, the church that is Faith Baptist Church, Faith in LR because this is a life-changing church. We've been talking about our goal, our responsibility of making disciples. We've talked about our, our, our purpose as a church is to love God, to love others and reach the world. And the way that we make disciples, we recognize what a disciple looks like. It's someone who loves characterized by love it's someone who's growing it is someone who is serving god praise god for the volunteers you make the difference in this church this church may be staff led but it is driven by the volunteers our job is to turn you loose in ministry not to do all the ministry but turn you loose In ministry to the church and to God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. I spoke last week pretty bluntly about giving, specifically about tithing. But the final part of the series, love, grow, serve, give, go. A disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who's been so changed and so touched with the gospel of Jesus Christ that they are witnesses. Did you notice the scriptures that were read this morning, the commonality in those passages? It was about the gospel of Christ being proclaimed to the world and that we have been empowered. The the commonality was the power of the Spirit. It was the witness of the believers, and it was the fact that we are to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world. That is, the mark of a disciple is that he goes. Now, there's several things I want to share with you about that concept, and from the passage in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, these are some of the things, Melody, that we we need to get right We need to understand some of it. uh, Is Sarah? Is good to have Sarah in the service with us today. Aaron's Aaron's married daughter. Good to have you here, Sarah. Uh, By the way, the the most special COVID refugee here is my wife, sitting way back in the back corner. Let's give Brenda a hand for. She did not have COVID. She was a COVID refugee because I had it. And so she had to stay home so she could have her cataract surgery tomorrow. For those of you who've been really concerned about her, I appreciate that. She appreciates it more. But she didn't have it. She's just, she just interested in getting the other eye done. John's getting his other eye done on Thursday. Brenda's getting her other eye done tomorrow. Anyway, I need to get on with the sermon. We need to understand that we are in sales, not management. Now that, you say, that's in the Bible? It is indeed. In Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, it says very clearly, we're in sales, not management. Now, when I, I learned that phrase, Jerry, when people would say to me, preacher, You're not praying hard enough because we're not getting the rain we need. That was in Florida. And I learned to say, I'm in sales, not management. I'm not in charge of the weather. And by the way, I'm not in charge of who wins in football games. I'm in sales, not management. I'm not in charge of whether you find a husband or a wife or on and on. I'm in sales, not management. And Cindy, so are you. We're all in sales, not management. God is in charge and we are not. It's too easy to become distracted by the politics of our day. It's too easy to become distracted by the style of our music or the arrangement of the building or who's in what class. We can begin to think that we are in management. A friend of mine a few years ago said, churches founded upon Jesus Christ must not waste time and effort Upon irreverent matters, they are endued with the Holy Spirit to be witnesses to all the world. Freddie Holmes in 2009. We're not in management, and we need to quit trying to manage everything. The verses that I'm talking about speak, first of all, about the illusion of control. That's a term that I got from Robert Francis. He he talked often about the illusion of control. We think we're in control, and it is an illusion. We are not in control. We're in sales, not management. He said, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him. That is a grammatical uh, construction. It's not just that ask him. Todd, they kept asking him. They kept asking him, when are the, when's the kingdom coming? When are you going to kick out these Romans? When are you going to set Israel free? When does all this prophecy get fulfilled? They kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He answered them that it's up to the Father. To know those things, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to to discern, for you to decide. Is this really, Lord, what you came to do? Is this what it's all about? Why don't you? Why haven't you? It's really easy, guys, to start second guessing God and think we're in control, and we ask him why he's not doing what we want him to do. Why was the president elected that was elected? I'm in sales, not management. Why was COVID sprung from Wuhan upon the world? That may not be a popular statement. I don't care. The research has shown where it came from why did God allow it? I don't know. I'm in sales, not management, and we need to give up the illusion of control. There is also, I've already hit the slide, the assumption of authority. They thought that they ought to have the authority because they were followers of Jesus, and they Sam, they felt bold enough to ask him a dumb question. The truth is we still ask God dumb questions. I I showed the picture last week of the face with the rolling eyes and I asked you, do you ever roll your eyes at your children? You think God rolls his eyes at us? Oh yeah, I think sometimes he does this. And I hear churches, especially in missionary Baptist churches, ABA churches, talking about the church has the authority. No, it does not. God did not give his authority to the church. He still has it. Don't make that mistake. The church does not have the authority in the world. The church has been authorized by God to do the things he's commanded us to do. There's a difference in saying by his authority we've been told to do this, this, and this. When the church takes authority upon itself for managing everything and everybody, the church has become an idol. Be careful. Be careful. Because we're in sales. We're in sales. We're to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, the life-saving gospel of Christ. We're not in charge of management. Now, I do not mean to cheapen the gospel by talking about we're in sales. But what that means is we present the gospel of Christ blessed by the power of the Holy Spirit and give people an opportunity to choose for themselves. You can't save anybody because we're in sales, not management. It's our responsibility, Corey, to be the witnesses. It's his responsibility to do the converting, that is to convict, and if they choose to believe, God does not overrule your choice. He gives you the opportunity. He presents. He draws you, sometimes strongly, at the preaching of the Word of God especially. When the Word is preached, Gail, the Spirit moves. Sometimes he draws in a very strong way. By the way, be careful about resisting that kind of drawing. Because you don't know when you'll have another opportunity to be saved. It's not my decision whether you get saved or not. I'm in sales, not in management. We need to be careful about the assumption of authority. Not only that, we need to be careful about the danger of knowledge. The old saying is, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. What the Bible says is knowledge puffs up. It's too easy to get proud about, to become proud about how much Bible we know. 560 hours, and Casey has just learned what he doesn't know. And he's going to find out what he needs to know and where he is in his life right now. I praise God for Renewal Ranch and, and the change that that ministry is, is heaping upon Faith Baptist Church. But they're on the testing ground now. Kyle's about to be there too, where you decide whether or not you can live out what you know. You, you see, he said the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. You can't know everything. God does not want you to know everything. And knowledge can make you proud. You see, you, you need to understand it's not the one who know, knows more Bible whose house is built on the rock. You say, I'm building my house on the rock because I'm studying the Bible over and over and over again. I'm going to take this class. I'm going to take that class. And so I know more Bible. But unless you live it out, it's absolutely worthless. It's not the one who knows more Bible, whose house is built on the rock, Jesus said, it's those who hear my word and do it. It's not knowing it. Knowledge is empty and useless unless you're living it out, unless you're doing what it says. So the question is, do all these classes that teach the Bible make you a better church member? Sometimes I have seen that that is not the case. You take this class, you take that class, and you never want to teach a class because you want to be in your class. i got to study more Bible. i got to know more Bible. What good has it done you? Are you a better Christian living it out because of the Bible you know? Are you a better church member because of all those classes or not? If you're not a better church member, why did you do all of that? It's time to get out of class and hit the streets and live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only do we need to understand that we're in sales, not management, we need to realize that we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit Again, that was part of the commonality of the verses that we read. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We have received, we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost, Jesus baptized his church in the holy spirit don't get that wrong the holy spirit never baptized anybody you didn't get baptized by water you got baptized in water by the church well as the pastor did it maybe maybe not but you got baptized in water by the church jesus promised that he would fill the church with the Spirit of God and on the day of Pentecost he baptized his church in the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit baptism of a group of people never intended for an individual but for a group. His church has been passed down to every scriptural church in the world so that we have that Holy Spirit power We have been empowered as a church. The we is the church because the you is plural. He's speaking to his church and said, you will be endued with power. You will be given the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you all as a group, as a congregation, we still have, That same power today this church has the power to change lives as we follow and obey the commands of Christ and preach the gospel share our witness the spirit of God moves because of our preaching and our witness and we still have the power that was given to that first church the kind of power That word power in the Greek language is dunamis. Now, it is the word, Cynthia, from which we get dynamite. I don't like to use that as an illustration, though, because dynamite is destructive. And that's not what dunamis is all about. The better word, Corey, is the word dynamo. That spirit power is a dynamo, which means energizing power. It's something that drives, something that energizes, something that uh, uh, helps us, getting us done, getting us to do, helping us to do what we need to do. We are energized. We are excited. Boy, you look really excited right now. You know, we come to church, and there ought to be excitement to be in the presence of God. One day, Pam, man, there'll be excitement. Some Baptists are going to be holy rollers when they get to heaven, and they'll be so happy and so excited, so overjoyed that they will actually raise their hands, and they will actually shout when they get to heaven. In the meantime, we can be real boring. I've told you before, I spent a significant portion of my time in Africa, and when we sing in Africa, we don't stand still. If you see me over there doing this, I'm exerting great self-control. But here in the States, you people sing and you just stand still. I have trouble with that Joe. When we get to heaven, I think we're going to sing and dance to the glory of God. Of God and it's not going to bother me if you start that now (laughs) that's the kind of power we have dynamo not dynamite destructive dynamo enabling energizing exciting struck by lightning to be energized the source of that power is the Holy Spirit it is the Holy Spirit of God How much power does God have? All of it. He is all powerful, unlimited power. He spoke and the worlds came into existence. He did not have to take six days. The atheist says, how could he do that in six, all of this, how could he do that in six days? Because he chose to slow down and do it that way. Think about that. He spoke, Larry, and it was. It did not slowly come into existence. He spoke, and it was. That's the God I worship. That's the power that we're talking about. You say, I can't share my witness. I can't tell anybody about Jesus. Yeah, you can. Not because you can, but because he can. Because you've been given the power to overcome addiction. You've been given the power to overcome fear. You've been given the power to share what God has done in your life. He will energize you if you'll just let him. We've been given the power. The purpose of the power, by the way, is witness. It's not so that we can glorify ourselves and say, look at what i have done it is so that we can glorify god and say guess what god has done in my life listen let me tell you what god has done in my life you will be witnesses by the way there's some prophecy there you will be a witness one way or another Catherine, you'll be a good witness or you'll be a bad witness right what kind of witness is someone who goes to church every Sunday and never speaks to their neighbor or anyone else about what, has, what God has done for them? They're a very poor witness. They are a bad witness rather than a good witness. A witness is, is someone who tells what God has done, tells their story, tells what God has done. And then I asked Aaron, I said Aaron, I'm preaching on go. What song are you gonna sing? And he said, Go tell it on the mountain. I thought, what? Go tell it on the mountain? I heard it this morning. I said, okay. And I heard it this morning, Cheryl, go and tell. Go and tell. Go and tell. Go and tell. That's what we've been told to do. It was a perfect song for the sermon this morning. Go and tell. Not just on the mountain. The song says, and everywhere. We must go and tell. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. By the way, there is in that passage, Larry, an outline of the book. In Jerusalem, then in Judea, and in Samaria, Todd, unto the known world of that day. That is the outline of the book of Acts. And it is prophetic, David, of what was going to happen. This is what the church is going to do. But we need to understand the practical application for us is not history. It is our emphasis right now that we are to be witnesses of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Who? Every member. You all. That's a good southern term, right? Y'all. We... Uh, Unfortunately, in proper English, there is. In other languages, uh, Kim, when you say you, uh, I got Kim's back-to-back again. I like that. That's just special. When you say you in English, you don't know if it's one person or a bunch of people. But in the South, you do. Because we say y'all. And I can say it Alabama way, you know. Y'all means you all. Some people say "Use all. <laughs> and that is a plural, meaning the congregation, but it includes every one of you. Every member of this church ought to be going and telling. What do we tell? It says you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. We have an idea that you have to be a theologian. That's why we're in classes. i got to know more so I can ask. I can answer every question that anybody would ever ask me anywhere. Nobody gets to that point because God does not choose to tell us everything. The Bible says the secret things belong to God. Check me out on that. The secret things belong to God. The revealed things belong to us. The things he chooses for us to know. There are some things he just doesn't tell us. You can't ask. You cannot answer. You'll never learn enough to be able to adequately answer every question, even from your five-year-old. We saw that video a couple weeks ago, right? Telling people your personal experience. What has God done in your life? You don't have to be a theologian to tell what God has done in your life. You just tell your story. You have no idea how powerful your personal story can be to the people to whom you share it. Tell your story. Tell what Jesus has meant to you. Tell what Jesus has done in your life. By all means, that was your charge yesterday at graduation. Be an evangelist. Go and tell what God has done in your life. You don't have to know proper English. You don't have to know Christianese. You just tell in your own words, out of your own heart, what God has meant to you. Has God meant anything to you? Can you say amen? Has God meant anything to you? Has God done anything in your life? Go and tell, go and tell, go and tell. You don't have to be a theologian to tell people what God has done in your life. Who do you tell it to? Everyone. You will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere. That means everyone everywhere. Is Jesus on your lips? I I love that. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because those who know it best are hungering to hear it. Just like the rest. Go and tell. Go and tell. Then finally, we must reach. We need to understand that we are supposed to reach the ends of the earth. We tell it, Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What does that mean? First of all, Jerusalem. That's our own community. Our own community place of residence. What does that mean, our community? Some people have thought that only means the area around this church. And I have heard it taught here that unless we have an outreach to this community, we're not doing what we're supposed to do. Well, amen. But that doesn't mean we have to have an official church program that is an outreach to this community. If you're not witnessing in your own neighborhood, you will not participate in an outreach to the community around this building. The church is a gathering, but the church needs to be a scattering as well. Where you go home, where you go home, where you go to your neighbor. We want to reach the world, but we're not willing to walk across the street in our own neighborhood and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but maybe I do want to give you a shock and a wake up. How many of your neighbors that live around you, do you know their names? Go find out. Go learn who your neighbors are. How many of your neighbors know that you're a Christian? Would they be shocked if you told them, I'm a Christian? They say, wow, well, you've acted, I have trouble believing that. Don't think about reaching the world if you're not able to walk across the street and speak to your own neighbors. Start in Jerusalem, your own neighborhood, your community. I'm not sad that we are to some extent a drive-in church. That is, we come in from different areas. That increases the outreach, if you'll go and tell. You personally are responsible for the souls in your neighborhood, our own community. And then... Judea our metro area I know we're not Chicago we're not New Orleans we're not Atlanta but this is a metro area when you start talking I have to I had to explain to Todd about well this is our this is Levy and that's Argenta and you know the different communities and you can't tell anymore unless you notice the sign when you leave North Little Rock and go into Sherwood, right? And, and we've taken in Gravel Ridge and, and we've taken in different areas around us. I drove through what I called Kellogg Valley for years before I finally found out it's actually known as Gibson. Anybody, did you know that? That's Gibson out there. Run Runyon Acres next door. Our metro area, we need to have a witness to our entire metro area and Samaria. That's across borders and nationality. By the way, I, I, just, I didn't tell the guys in the back. I have no monitors down here, so if I skip slides, that's why I'm not seeing them. Do you realize that Samaria to the Jews was a different nationality and they considered the scum of the earth. Do we do that? Oh, you know we do. By the way, CRT is critical race theory is a racist teaching. I grew up being taught That blacks were not really people. I didn't believe it. My parents were better teachers and better Christians than that. I praise God for that. I grew up with respect for black people. But now all of a sudden, white people are considered. If you're white, you're racist. You're something awful. I got news for you a racist can be white or black. It's anyone who judges someone solely on the basis of the pigment of their skin. And racism is a sin against God. And if you you refuse to share the gospel with someone because the pigment of their skin is darker than yours, you'll answer to God for that. And if you refuse to... to share the gospel with someone whose pigment of skin is lighter than yours because of it, you'll answer to God for that. And I need to say this, and you might not want to hear it. God's sending millions of people of different nationalities right into our neighborhoods. People, you need to stop complaining on Facebook and in political forums About illegal immigration. Love them. Is it still illegal? It is. But they're people. And they need Jesus. You need to stop. You need to hush. Talking about them and talk to them. Let them know God loves them. You may have to learn a little bit of Spanish. Then do it. Because God has sent them our way. He's given us an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people we would never have had the opportunity otherwise to meet. Go and tell. Go and tell. We must reach even the entire world. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You say, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. I never thought, Alice, there would come a day that I would live in Africa and speak an African language. Corey, there were three people, four counting Brenda, that grew up in Zion Missionary Baptist Church who ended up on foreign mission fields. We were not taught missions. And we got that elsewhere when we left the church. But looking back now, four kids grew up in a congregation like this. And guys, they heard the gospel. They heard about how we needed to reach the world. They heard and they never thought, Kara, that they would end up in Africa sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, listen. It's amazing what God can do when you surrender to Him. Would to God that there would be young people in our church that would surrender to preach the gospel even in the regions beyond. Where we can't go ourselves, we send and support missionaries because we are responsible to reach all the nations even to the ends of the earth. One time in Africa, my sending pastor, Clyde Lanier, came to visit us. And I said, I've got a new area that I'm working in, and I'd like for you to see it because it's sort of unique. It's under the shadow of Mount Kenya. It's a hilly place. It's somewhat remote. He said, I'd love to do that. So we drove the hard road, Susan, until the hard road stopped. You know what I mean, pavement, hard road. Then we took the dirt road, thought it wasn't gravel. It was dirt. We took the dirt road and drove as far as my Isuzu trooper would go. And then we got out. That included Cynthia fording a stream. He thought that was cool. I was glad we made it across. We we drove as far as the trooper would go, and we got out of the trooper, and we hit the foot trail. And we walked for about an hour and a half on the foot trail. And we got to the top of this hill we'd call in arkansas we'd call it a mountain there it was a hill and he was huffing and puffing and he said brother we have indeed reached the ends of the earth (laughs) we were planting a church there to the ends of the earth i didn't think it was the ends of the earth on the other hand when brenda and i were in mongolia for a couple of months and filling in for a missionary there. We got on a train and rode to the north side of the Gobi Desert. And Sarah, I said, this is the ends of the earth. We're responsible. That's what our mission program is all about. Are you going? You may not go to Africa. Are you going? Who witnessed to you? Basil, aren't you glad somebody shared the gospel? I don't know. Maybe it was a preacher. Maybe it was your Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was your parents. But every one of you who's been saved, you can think back to who witnessed to you. Did the chain of events and did the chain of the story stop there? Who have you witnessed to? And to whom are you now witnessing? Who do you need to witness to? When I talked about your neighbors, did faces and names pop into your head? If they didn't, they need to. When you think about your job, who at your job, whose face do you see? When you think about your school, whether elementary, middle school, high school, or college, what face pops into your mind this morning Who do you need to go talk to about your faith in Jesus Christ?